a moment of power. It's time for a Moment of Power podcast with Pastor Johnny Henderson, being brought to you by the Little Zion Missionary Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. Back to your face. You know, as I look at society, so much division and so much chaos in society. And the funny thing about the church is right there in that mess. Churches, churches caught up in that mess with the rest of the world. But we'll find in this Sermon of the Mount, Jesus is going to lay out the basis of what it means to be disciples. We don't have to, we don't have to get involved in all that fussing and cussing with everybody else. Amen. Jesus gives us the blueprint right here in uh, Matthew chapter five. I'm going to read from the NIV. It says this. Words on the street as well. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he, he began to teach them. He said, number three, verse three, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. King James says, shall. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed, let the church say blessed. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Verse 11 is a hard one, y'all. Jesus says, blessed are you when people insult you as head, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. But then he says, rejoice and be glad. Because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Look at the person next to you. I know we got masked on, but look at that person. Point at them and say, you are truly blessed. You are truly blessed. You are truly blessed. Look at somebody else and ask them, do you know how blessed you are? I want to use as a subject this morning, blessed beyond measure. Blessed beyond measure. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for the opportunity to stand behind the sacred podium and to share your holy word. Father God, what you have placed on my heart to share with your people. I pray that you would give me preaching power to declare your words today. Help me to articulate it, give me clarity in my thoughts. I pray that you will ease the spirit of nervousness and intimidation. Help me to stand tall and preach your word with boldness and authority. And God, I pray that as a result of your word, our thinking will be shifted. Our behavior will be changed. Our hearts will be purified. 
Lord God, help us to become better disciples, better ambassadors of your kingdom. So may we all be edified. God, may you be glorified. Most of all, if there's anyone here that is not saved, God, I pray that they will receive salvation today in the name of Jesus. And so God, I, I give you all the praise and glory and the honor. Lift this prayer in the name of Jesus, our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Blessed beyond measure. We got a few young people in the house, but if, if you have lived a little while, I'm sure you've heard the term count your blessings. Uh, I, Matter of fact, I believe we used to sing a song called Count Your Many Blessings, Name Them One by One. I got some witnesses in the house. But that brings a question to my mind. How, how do you measure or quantify your blessings? Listen, listen stick with me for a little while. Do you, do, you, uh, do you measure your blessings simply by the things you own? or by the places you go. Let me ask you the, the model of the car you drive, is that how you measure your blessings? Mm. The, the square footage of your house, mm. is that a measurement of your blessings? Mm. Here's a good one. If you buy groceries at Whole Foods instead of food line, <laughs> is that a measurement <laughs> of your blessings? Y'all know we call Whole Foods Whole Paycheck. <laughs> but if you buy groceries at food, Whole Foods instead of Food Line, does that mean you're blessed? If, if you wore a white collar job and a suit tie every day as opposed to a blue collar job, is that a sign of being blessed? Uh, do you consider yourself blessed because you carry a Louis Vuitton purse? <laughs> Or are you okay with that fanny pack on the side? Right, right. The question I want to raise is, what is your measuring stick for blessed? Mm. Uh, uh, the point I really want to drive home today is material things can be an indication of God's favor, but the Bible gives much more indication of what it means to be blessed. The Bible measures being blessed a little bit different than how we measure or how the people of the world measure being blessed. Consider James 1 verse 12. He says, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. What about Psalm 1 verse 1? It says, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the swamp, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. So I'll go back to the question, what is your measuring stick? The first thing we must understand is what it truly means to be blessed. This is what we know about, this is one of the most used words in our vocabulary. Every, every day we use this word without even thinking about it, y'all. We say, have a blessed day. 
And we, we, we say, God bless you. Or we say, I'm too blessed to be stressed. We all like to describe ourselves as blessed. We, we can get a little cliches with it, if you will. Uh, I woke up in my right mind this morning. I'm blessed. I have food on the table to eat. I'm blessed. I have clothes on my back, shoes on my feet. I'm blessed. A roof over my head. I'm blessed. I had transportation to get to work all week. I'm blessed. But again, what does it really mean to be blessed? This Greek word it, it, it is translated blessed. It says makarios. That's the Greek. It's translated into the word blessed. Means simply means fortunate or happy. We find in both the Old Testament and the New Testament context, it points to the kind of happiness that comes from receiving favor from God. In other words, it speaks to our inner being or our inner well-being, if you will. It, 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 it talks about the prosperity of our souls in Jesus Christ. Did you hear that? It, it points to the prosperity on the inside of us, our soul. Not just the prosperity of our pockets or our possessions, but the prosperity of our souls. In other words, being blessed is not just an external quality of life, it is an internal quality of life as well. Blessedness is the byproduct of relationship and fellowship with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So to be blessed is to experience the, the full impact of God's presence in our lives now and forever. That's good news, y'all. Kind of points to the song they just said. He, he does it over and over and over every hour, y'all. And so I want to look at the Sermon on the Mount for just a few weeks. There is, a, there is a lot of distortion and confusion about Jesus these days, y'all. And I, I believe it will be beneficial for all of us to revisit what his actual words are. We've created a whole lot of uh, sophisticated theologies, if you will. We've, we've packaged Jesus into a one-size-fits-all gimmick, if you will. But every now and then, we ought to go back to the basics. Right, right, right. So here we find Jesus. He's, he, he begins his public ministry in Galilee. Matthew tells us in chapter 4, Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. Goes on to say, news about him spread all over Syria. The people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases. Those suffering of Severe pain, the, the demon possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed, and he healed them. Matthew goes on to say, large crowds from Galilee to the capitals, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. But what we notice about this Sermon on the Mount, it is a very carefully structured lesson from Jesus. We'll find ourselves today dealing with these beatitudes, and we'll We'll deal with the salt and light metaphors. We'll, we'll talk about what Jesus means when he talks about greater righteousness that is required of his disciples. He, he goes on to tell us what he means by he comes to not come to change the law, but to fulfill the law. He gives us what it means to be a hypocrite. 
He, he talks about social issues regarding money and true riches. Man cannot worship uh, money and God. He gives us commands how to treat each other, y'all. And how to treat uh, those that are not like us. But what should we know about these blessings, the Beatitudes at the top of this sermon? The Beatitudes, what Jesus teaches us here today, is that God's kingdom should look different than the world. Should. I would argue it's hard to tell these days. It's hard to differentiate these days. Uh, this, this writer by the name of Inchi, right? He makes an important observation about these Beatitudes. He said, Jesus is not suggesting that these are simply timeless truths about the way the world is about human behavior. If he was saying that, he would be wrong. He goes on to say, sometimes mourners often go uncomforted. He says, the meat don't necessarily inherit the earth. Sometimes it takes too long to get justice. What he's really saying is this is an upside-down world. And Jesus is saying that uh, his work is to try to change the true nature of the world. Uh, it, it, Jesus' gospel is good news, y'all. Not good advice. It's good news about how we should live as disciples and citizens of the kingdom. Jesus, he goes up on this mountainside because everybody needs to hear what he has to say. I love this part because verse 1 and verse 2, he doesn't have a bullhorn. He doesn't have the fancy audio video system like we have with all the bells and whistles. He, he not, he's not able to live stream on Facebook live. He, he simply elevates himself above the crowd. And this, this, this hillside is, is significant because it puts him in a position where everybody can see him and everybody can hear him. In other words, the acoustics, the acoustics work just fine for what he is about to say. And what he is about to say is very important because as a result of his public ministry from that point all the way up to today, millions will follow him, y'all. Jesus is essentially saying that there are some ethics that need to be followed to be my disciple. He's saying there are some things you should know if you want to follow me. There's some things you should understand if, if you want to uh, claim access to the kingdom of God. There's some things you want to live by if you want to call yourself a child of God. So what does it mean to be blessed? I want to give you three things I see in this text. Here's the first thing Jesus wants us to know about being blessed. Number one, being blessed, it carries divine redemption. I love that, y'all. It, it carries divine redemption. Do you know God is a redeeming God? Do you know God restores and replenishes and replaces? But we see here Jesus, he says, uh, he points to the fact that being blessed carries divine redemption. That points to the internal, not the external. Do you know you're blessed and favored by God when you experience what I would call internal misfortunes? 
What I'm trying to say, there, there are some emotions and things that go on inside of us that often nobody sees. But Jesus declared that God favors us and we will have the kingdom of God. We, sometimes we find ourselves spiritually bankrupt or spiritually broken or, or we deal with brokenness. But the good news is with, with all of our internal uh, issues, all of our, let me say, internal inadequacies, if you will, with all of that, y'all, comes restoration or redemption from God. Consider what Jesus said. He says, uh, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Can you relate to any of that? Jesus here addresses some, some key issues, y'all, that we all go through. Some of us more than others. I want to dig in this poor in spirit for just a minute. What, what is he talking about, poor in spirit? What, what, what are you talking about, Jesus? You mean I can be poor uh, financially, but also poor in the spirit? Uh, the poor in spirit is simply those that recognize their lack of spiritual vitality and understand they have a complete need for God. I'm going to say that again. The poor in spirit recognize their lack of spiritual vitality and have a complete need for God. I look at New Living Translation. I love the way it puts it. It says, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for Him. In other words, the poor in spirit is opposite of arrogance and boastfulness. The poor spirit trust God and realize they are nothing without God. So the poor in this biblical sense, it does not refer to poverty or a lack of wealth or a lack of material things. The poor in spirit means I need God to put me back together on the inside and restore me from my brokenness. That's what poor in spirit means. God, I need you to put me back together on the inside where, where I'm broken and torn down and, and where I'm hurt. Where my soul is weeping, God, and, and restore me, God, from my brokenness. So when you look at it that way, it, it is not an outward expression, but it is an internal inadequacy. The truth is, y'all, you... You can live in a gay community and be jacked up spiritually. You can have the finest goals and cars but be broken spiritually. I can be, you can be sufficient in stuff but insufficient spiritually. It, let me put you like this. It looks good, look good on the outside but on the inside that's a whole other story. Spirit. It, it looked good on the outside. This white robe looks good, but on the inside. We used to say back in the day, I'm torn from the floor. Oh, I mean, I heard that before. Torn from the floor. It looks good. I'm sufficient in stuff, but insufficient spiritually. 
That's why Psalm 34, I love it, y'all. It is, it is such a critical psalm because Psalm 34, it highlights the very essence of what it means to be, to be poor in spirit. It elevates the volume of the call for God's help when one is in need. Psalm 34, even though David, he was the king of Israel, he was smart enough to realize that he couldn't do anything without God. And I just want to go through it just a minute. Listen to what it says. He said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Verse 2, my soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. He says, oh, magnify the Lord with me. And let us exalt his name together. Verse 4, I sought the Lord. And he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Verse 6, he says, this poor man cried, yeah, yeah. poor in spirit, and the Lord heard him yeah, yeah. and saved him out of all his trouble. I, I want to move on down. It, it says, verse 15, the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, yeah. and his ears are open to their cry. The, faces, the face of the Lord is against them that do evil to cut off the remember, remembrance of them from the earth. Verse 17, the righteous cry, and the Lord hear it and yeah. deliver them out of all their trouble. Psalm yeah. so 34, verse 18, the Lord is not unto them that are of a broken heart. And save us such as be a contrite spirit, poor in spirit. Verse 19, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivered them, him out of them all. That is a critical song, y'all, because it highlights what it means to be broke in spirit. Amen. Let's go a little bit further. The poor in spirit, uh, the poor in spirit, they, they know what it's like to depend on God. They know what it's like to have God on their side. The poor in spirit can often say, if it had not been for the Lord on my side, where would I be? The poor in spirit says, there but by the grace of God. Amen. The poor in spirit says, if I could just touch the hem of his tongue, amen? That's what it means to be poor in spirit, realizing that I'm broken internally. The poor in spirit is simply those faithful people who understand that it's only God who delivers them from all their trouble, amen? He goes on, Jesus goes on to say, bless are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. When we mourn for sin or in suffering, there is a there is a promise that God will comfort us, y'all. Only God will be able to wipe away the tears and the hurt. Only God can do that. We can, we can say all the right words, but it's God and His Holy Spirit that brings comfort to those who are mourning. But then He says, "Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth." A few of these things stand out to me, y'all. I just want to hit on meekness. Let's talk about it for a second. Meekness should never be confused with weakness. Uh, meekness is not that it's not that one is passive or submissive because they don't know any better. 
But when I think about meekness, meekness is being able, being able to assert strength whenever I choose. All right. In other words, meekness means I don't have to go off on everybody that says something sideways. That's what meekness means. I don't have to go off on everybody that says something sideways. Meekness means I don't have to cuss and fuss every time something doesn't go my way. That's meekness. Meekness says I, I refuse to engage in conduct that's going to make me act a fool. It simply means rather I, I want to always demonstrate the behavior of Jesus Christ. Now, several years ago, I don't know what kind of music you listen to, but uh, Pete Diddy and Mace put out a song several years ago that says, Don't push us because we're close to the edge. We're trying not to lose our head. Meekness, I don't have to go off on everybody. So number one, y'all, when we're blessed, we are, it carries divine redemption. God still loves you even in your, with your internal struggles. Even if you don't have it all together, God still loves you. That's good news, y'all. Because people will throw you away in this But God, he loves you. You are blessed, amen? You are blessed regardless of how much stuff you have. But number two, a blessed person, number two, demonstrates kingdom character. A blessed person demonstrates kingdom character. We are, we are blessed when we live out the character of those who are citizens of the kingdom of God. In other words, when we demonstrate kingdom, we, we show a reflection of God. We show what it means to be made in his image. Talk about this morning, Genesis chapter 1, he said, let us make man in our own image. We, when, we, when we demonstrate kingdom character, we are uh, demonstrating that we are truly uh, reflecting God. He says, blessed are the merciful, verse 7, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are Persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So here's what it does. Bless goes from an inward reality of depending on God to an outward expression of my appreciation for God. I like that it goes from an, an inward reality of depending on God to an outward expression of appreciation, appreciation for God. Because when you appreciate all that God has done for you, it all shows and it actually pours up. When you appreciate all, we say that all you've done for me. If that's real, then it ought to be demonstrated in our actions for others. He said, blessed are the merciful. Being merciful isn't a hard thing when you put it in the proper perspective. And the perspective is because I've been a beneficiary of God's mercy, I can extend mercy to others. 
It means I can show generosity, forgiveness, and compassion. As a disciple of Christ, I have to show, I have to be someone who shows mercy. But that mercy cannot be contingent upon how much mercy has been shown towards me by them. As long as I got mercy from God, I don't care how much somebody else's mercy is extended towards me. I'm still going to project mercy. That is the, that is the uh, character of the kingdom, if you will. We understand, we understand true mercy because we have received mercy from God. So when we, when we truly understand mercy, we can, we can embrace being generous to others. We can embrace forgiving others. We can embrace showing compassion to others. It then becomes a direct reflection of God. Amen. It goes on to say purity in the heart. Blessed are the pure in heart, y'all. It, it refers to a moral uprightness. In other words, when we're pure in heart, we have to have a, a single-minded devotion to God. We pray, the, we pray the prayer of consecration every Sunday, and it simply means that I'm, I'm, I'm devoted to God. All of the external things that have gone on inside of me, outside of me, or even the internal things, it, it's saying I'm asking God to cleanse me and purify my heart. And I'm going to live in a way that shows a pure heart. David says, creating me a clean heart and renew a right spirit in me. But then he goes on to say, bless all the peacemakers. He, he, he talks about our interpersonal relationships. I remember years ago, we used to watch those Tyler Perry plays when they first started getting popular. This peacemaker. Uh, this, this verse was quoted on the stage in the theater. She pulled out that nine millimeter. And she said that was one of the best peacemakers one could have. But that's not what Jesus is talking about. Peacemaking goes beyond living peaceably, but it's, it's about reconciling others to God. We are called to be his peacemakers, his ambassadors. We are called to facilitate peace with one another. We are called to end bitterness and strife amongst people, you know. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. In other words, you are when you are a peacemaker, you are you are demonstrating one of the attributes of God. That's why he says you will be called children of God. You are now part of that family, that kingdom family. Amen. Amen. So number one, it, it, uh, it is divine redemption. Number two, it demonstrates being blessed. means we demonstrate kingdom character. But this last one is a good one. When you are blessed, a blessed person, number three, withstands, withstands unwarranted attacks. Will stands unwarranted, or, or you say unprovoked attacks. Jesus, y'all, he, he gets kind of heavy here. It's, it's, it's a hard pill to swallow. Jesus indicates that as a result of your discipleship, as a consequence of your affiliation with him, 
you may have to endure some character assassination. Mm. He says that as a result of your affiliation with me, you may have to deal with some, some ridicule. My God. As a result of discipleship, there may come some persecution. He says in verse 10, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say, that word falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Then he says, rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. In other words, Jesus was saying, being a disciple won't be a walk around the park on a warm spring day. He, Jesus was saying, it may not always look like hanging out in the backyard on the 4th of July, cooking out with your family and friends with the electric slide blasting over the boom box. It may not look like that. But Jesus was saying, when you're following me, people are going to come against you with persecution. Persecution, y'all. Now, most of you know my position. I, I always argue that in America, we don't face persecution as Christians. Because the reality of America is we live in a pluralistic society. We have freedom of a, we have freedom of religion in this country. We're not under a, a theocratic government, if you will, such as maybe people in Saudi Arabia. There's not a threat of being beheaded here in America for worshiping Jesus. So we don't have to, we don't have to deal with that kind of threat here in America. All right. But the reality is people are not going to like you. People are going to talk about you. People will hurt you and do bad things to you. And so then you become uh, vulnerable to ridicule and hurt and all kinds of attacks from the devil. And as I think about this, I simply say, Jesus, this is hard to grasp. Jesus, it's hard to grasp because I, I want everybody to be happy. I want everybody to be happy for me because I'm connected to you. It's hard, Jesus, because I want everybody to say nice things about me. And I want everybody to like me, Jesus. What do you mean I'm going to be persecuted lied on and people saying false things about me. What do you mean, Jesus? I gotta deal with some character assassination and name calling, y'all. Right. Jesus telling his disciples they shouldn't be surprised when people insult you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil things. Jesus was going to say uh, he, he, he was going to face this very own kind of treatment, y'all. Yeah. And so he explains to us and he explains to all of these disciples that they shouldn't expect anything different. But it raises two questions for me. Why should we see that as a good thing? But number two, why does the world despise righteous living? Two questions I thought of. Why, why, why should I see that as a good thing? He answers the first question when he says, because of me. In verse 11. This old theologian, old school theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he says discipleship means allegiance to the suffering Christ. And he says it is not therefore, it is therefore not at all surprising 
that Christians should be called upon to suffer. He says, in fact, it is a joy and it is a token of God's grace. Yeah. But then the second question, why does the world hate righteous living? I would suggest that with regards to righteous living, the world despises it because righteous living means bringing the flesh into accountability. Righteous living requires you to separate yourself from the things of the world. In John 17, Jesus, when he prayed for the disciples, he prayed, I have given them thy word, and the world hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I, even as I am not of the world. He goes on to say, I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou should keep them from the evil. 16, they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is true. The world hates righteousness because they don't understand righteousness. Righteousness, let me say, they, they don't understand it, but righteousness requires you to be different. It requires you to separate yourself. It, it requires you to, it, it, it requires you to get a hold of that old, that old flesh. We, we understand the battle between the flesh and the spirit. Paul writes in Galatians chapter 5, he says, So I say, walk by the spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with one another. He goes on to say, but if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law of the acts or the works of the flesh or obvious. He says sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, yeah. and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, and factions, and envy, and drunkenness, and orgies, and the like. That's why the world hates righteousness, y'all. Yeah. It, it calls you to come out from those things, those those things of the flesh. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. It, 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 discipleship brings unwarranted attacks. But because we are blessed, we can withstand those attacks, you know? Jesus declares that everything you go through because of him, you should rejoice and be glad about it. He says the future reward is in heaven. Live a good life and a righteous life while you're here on earth. But he says, but your reward in, is in heaven. Amen. Jesus goes on to say, you will be in good company. Because you'll be following a long line of great prophets and people that, that came before you. Jesus says, he's, he's saying, I'm paraphrasing here, he's saying, you won't be the first to go through what you go through, and you definitely won't be the last. Many men and women who have carried his message, who have witnessed him, have, have faced persecution, they face rejection and even death. Jesus, he he wants us to know that we're in a long line of followers who have lived righteously and spoke the truth only to suffer for it. In other words, Jesus says that to live a life fully committed and sold out to him 
and to speak for God in the face of unjust persecution, as did his always ancient prophets, that will bring a great reward in heaven. So I'm done. I want you to know something this afternoon, y'all. I want you to understand this afternoon as you, as we get ready to leave this place, I want you to know that you are blessed beyond measure. Do you hear me? You are blessed beyond measure. If you didn't know it before, now you know. Child of God, those of you that are in the house, those of you online, I say this morning, this afternoon, that you are blessed and highly favored. And we are blessed because our spiritual blessings, they, they far outweigh any earthly blessings. Amen. Spiritual blessings mean I have divine redemption. Amen. It means I, I can faithfully demonstrate kingdom character. But when I'm blessed, I can withstand unwarranted attacks. Amen. You are blessed beyond measure because you are attached to the Lord Jesus Christ. Did you hear me? You are attached. You are affiliated. You are a part of the kingdom of God. You are a part of the body of Christ. You are a child of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And Jesus says there are some spiritual benefits that come with this. There, there are some spiritual benefits that far outweigh physical benefits. He says, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's a benefit. For they will be confident. That's a benefit. For they will inherit the earth. That's a benefit. For they will be healed. That is a benefit. They will be shown mercy. Is anybody grateful for God's mercy? They will, they will see God. That's a benefit. They will be called the children of God. Blessed beyond measure. Blessed beyond measure. Count your many blessings and name them one by one. But don't forget about these. Jesus wants us to understand that no matter what we receive or don't receive in material, material or physical form, we have been given every spiritual blessing through him. Every spiritual blessing. We, we are blessed by his righteousness. We are blessed by his resources. We are blessed by his privilege. We are blessed by his power, y'all. And even though our circumstances may not be ideal all the time, I still consider myself blessed. Amen. I still are you still considering yourself blessed because it's not what it looks like on the outside. But when God, when God heals us and prepares us and restores us on the inside, that's what it means to be blessed. Amen. So yes, my brother and my sister, you are blessed. You are. You are. You are loved. You are chosen. You are redeemed. You are the 
Pastor Johnny Henderson being brought to you by the Little Zion Missionary Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. Connect with them by visiting their website, lzmbc.net. Pastor Henderson, Lady Henderson, and the Little Zion family want to thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you will not miss a moment of power.